Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Welcome once again to another edition of Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, bringing you the uh, latest in the world of poker from South Florida. Big uh, tournament coming up this summer in less than two weeks now. Uh, the Seminole High Rock Poker Open. I'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, lots of big tournaments going on right now. A couple of them online, like the World Series of Poker Online Series. Uh, they are about halfway through that. Well, maybe about a third of the way through that. I'll get to some of the results there. We'll talk about what's up upcoming. And, of course, the Poker Go uh, Cup, which is going on out at uh, in Las Vegas right now. And that is involving, you know, the huge nosebleed stakes players, uh, $10,000 to $25,000 buy-ins. And right now being dominated by the the fellow from Bosnia-Herzegovina, Ali Imsarovic, who uh, has won uh, two of the last three tournaments and continues to play very well. They're small tournaments, obviously, Joe. Uh, 14 players, 31 players, 17 players. But the quality of the, of the competition is in, immense. So a great accomplishment for Ali. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> You're practically playing, uh, you know, what is it? What'd you say? 14, 15 players in the... In the For the smaller uh, ones, and then the bigger one, 30, 31, something like that. And you, you figure there's a couple of people in there who have a lot of money and just want to try it against them, but you're probably facing, you know, 10 to 15 of the best players in the world in those tournaments. Yes, for sure. You know, the ground, of course, playing and a few other big names. Um, you know, guys are getting unhappy about getting dominated uh ben lamb and uh, people like that are uh, bitching and moaning dan smith uh just tweeted out an fu to ali <laughs> who won uh 240,000 in the second of his uh, two wins but he's won eight tournaments eight major tournaments this year most of them out in the aria uh, uh some of the big poker go events he lives in Vancouver, Washington, but originally from uh, Bosnia. And, uh, you know, he's really starting to make a claim as the best player in the world right now. And I want to get to uh, number one players in the world a little bit later, look at some of the past and what's going on. But uh, he is really kind of taking the world by storm. Well, you know, doesn't this sound familiar to what... Uh... <laughs> What what our good friend Jason did many years ago. Yeah, I'm going to run that oh, down. And, Jason, uh, you Jason know. had several stints at number one. I want to talk about some of that. I can remember the days when it was Jason versus Eric Seidel, and then it was, uh, you know, other players that would go head to head. But uh, uh, it's you get on a roll, you get the confidence. You certainly, uh, it's a big. Uh, you know, it's a big boost to your game to really walk into the, the thing. I, I was going to say that the two players that are really battling for number one before Ali really uh, emerged in the last couple of months were uh, Alex Foxen and Stephen Chidwick. But uh, there's numerous names around here. Negreanu had this back and forth with Ola Shemian. And Jason uh, can go way back to the mid-teens uh, and, and see his battles with uh, Eric Seidel. But... 
Um, it's always fun to watch how these players, uh, there's a certain amount of personality involved that they are fun to watch. Well, you know, it, it, like I said, it, one of the patterns I've always noticed, especially, you know, uh, when the World Series, you know, this year it's not at its regular time, but, you know, when it, we'd always see at the beginning of the year in January, February, it, it always seemed to me like leading up to the World Series, the start of the World Series, there was always one, sometimes two players around the world that were just on complete heaters, you know, that were just winning tournaments or finishing in the top three, you know, consistently, consistently, and, uh, you know, leading up to that. And I don't know, I, my my years of watching this, Dave, it, it seems like, you know, you, you've got a lot of great players we know that are out there, some that aren't known yet, but are great players that all of a sudden – you know, they hit that stride, and they catch that couple of breaks. They know how to take advantage of it, and then that confidence level just rises. And, you know, they, they their game goes up a couple of notches. And, um, you know, outside of, I don't know, you, we were talking about the Daniel and uh, Phil Helmuth, you know, coming back and Helmuth beating Negrano in those three sets. It seems like they go through uh, anywhere from a, a year to a couple of years where they're considered the best player in the world, and something changes, you know. Uh, we know that our good friend Jason got married and had a family, and uh, they're still outstanding players, but for whatever reason, they're no longer at that top of the list. They're not playing maybe as many tournaments and, um, you know, this is Ali's turn now, I guess. You know, he's, he's, he's worked hard for it, I'm sure. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, the latest events in the Poker Go Cup, there's some interesting things going on out there. Uh, one of the latest tournaments was won by a South Florida player, uh, Jake Schindler, who uh, I just wanted to mention. I first came across uh, Jake Schindler when he won a tournament at the w WSOP circuit because I was very friendly with... Uh, several South Florida players, including Abby Daniels, so one of my first friends in, in the world of poker. Uh, she was a very good player, but uh, she finished second in that tournament to Schindler. And there was a couple of young guys at that time that really looked like they were going to be on the map here. They both live in South Florida now. The other is Barry Hutter. And uh, Schindler has now become just a huge uh, high-stakes, high-roller player, uh, one event number five at the uh, – at the Poker Go Cup. So, uh, you know, he's doing very well, and, uh, you know, it's nice to see. So in addition to Imserovich, uh, what do you see from poker players, Joe, when they when they start to get on the heater? Is it the confidence factor, or they just seem to see the, the cards in their mind better? Uh, re Listen, when you're on one of those, <laughs> my extent of that was very short-lived locally, but I remember, you know, I was able to, it's like a clear picture, you know, like a blurry picture all of a sudden becomes clear and all of a sudden you are running really well. Um, that to me is the first thing you need. You know, you turn around and all of a sudden you're looking at great cards in your hole and they're, and, and they're holding up, you know, you're playing them aggressively or, or you're trapping, you know, depending on what your strategy is. And all of a sudden it starts to work. And, whether it's you see frustration in your opponents, um, fear, you know, they're, they're confused. They're really confused and because uh, they haven't seen you play like this before when you've taken that next leap 
they respect you as a good player, but maybe not at that level that all of a sudden you get to. And, you know, you said it, it's confidence. Once you've got that confidence, you now start playing so much more aggressive. Uh, Like they say, you know, the the flowers smell better, (laughs) food tastes better, you know. You're getting all these things, and and you don't know why. You honestly don't know why. And you don't even, uh, you know, get bothered by the, the the losses that you do suffer in those tournaments. No, you don't because you know um, if if when you lose, you're able to try to analyze it and uh, realize that you did absolutely nothing wrong. You know, like I used to always tell people, you know, you, you set the perfect trap, you got all the money in there, and you know, I used to say the operation was was a success, but the patient died anyway. You know, that's that's that you did everything you could right. And, you know, unfortunately, the one out or two out or came out and, and you lost. And you have to learn how to accept that and move on from that instead of being consistently upset. You know, we've all been at the table where that, you know, where, where more than one person gets that one out or two out or pulled on them. And then the tirade starts, you know, yeah, to belittle yeah. the player, cursing, you understand, and you're putting yourself in a negative mood. You know, uh, I guess when you're running like this and you lose one of these tournaments, you're like going, okay, you know, that's, you know, that's just part of poker. That you you learn to accept it, uh, if not with a smile on your face, you know, you know, with a lot of calm and say, okay, you know, let me not not let this, you know, rarity make me uh, put me out of my mood, and um, I'm, you know. Top players, you know, if we were able to follow one of these during these runs, we would see them, and they would just smile and go, hey, you know, good good, good call, you know, or good yeah. whatever. Yeah. They're just trying to set you up so that uh, you don't get educated instead of doing that belittling at the table and cursing at you and telling you what an idiot you are for having called that, that bet or whatever. Well, we haven't had a, a show on the mental side of the game uh, recently. We probably will do that again soon. But Jared Tendler was one of our guests that, that talked about that. Dr. Tricia Cardner was another. And, uh, you know, such a huge part of the game that the average person doesn't realize. Uh, Alec Torelli uh, has a really great article now on Poker News about three things that he's learned from teaching hundreds of players over the years. And uh, the three major uh, aspects you take away, and and most of them involves the mental side of the game. So uh, we'll get to that, uh, you know, in the next uh, few weeks over the summer and uh, have some fun talking about that. But it is huge, and it's not just the cards. Uh, However, I can tell you that sometimes it is the cards. Uh, I could talk about uh, one of these latest uh, uh, Poker Go Poker Cup events uh, which was won by Jason Kuhn. He was in a very close match with a couple other players and uh, ends up uh, winning the tournament when uh, two other players shoved and he had pocket aces. Just uh, the luck of that, the cards there. And he put two guys away and it gave him three quarters of the chips in the tournament. And he was able to put the match away shortly after that. Yeah, I, like I said, cards. obviously the cards play a big part of this. But, you know, uh, people say you kind of make your own luck at this. And, uh, you know, who knows? Um, you know, th- that's a rarity there, Dave, you know, to, to wind up with pocket aces and have two players shove. Uh, 
you know, before it gets to you. Right. Or if you've trapped somebody like that. But, um, you know, good for him. You know, you definitely need to look, Dave. I, you know, if, if we could put a finger on, on why these things occur, you, these people wouldn't have this long run because everybody would be doing it. But, uh, you know, like I said, the few times it's happened to me locally when I've had a tremendous two- or three-month run in the different private games that I was playing in, it's just I could see everything so clearly. Right. And then sure enough, sure enough, when the, when the, <laughs> when the script flipped, it was, I go, wait a minute, I saw him doing this. I saw it. And, and, you know, you get back into that fog and that haze and, then you got to figure figure how to get out of that again. At least that's yeah. how it was for me. Just to quickly illustrate that one hand, uh, Anu Jarjawal was uh, there were four players left, and he jammed with just four blade blinds left with jack nine suited. You know, you get some, you get short, you got to do it. Coon uh, beat three bet him with the aces, and uh, John Reardon from uh, West Palm Beach uh, four bet jammed with. King 10 suited, and so uh, it was an easy call and an easy win uh, when his aces held strong. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good explanation. So the first guy who shoved was Jack 9 uh, because he was short. The King 10 mm-hmm. might have thought the, the guy with the aces was, uh, you know, trying to isolate him. Trying to steal. Yeah, and figured, let me see if he's really got a hand. And when I'm sure, the, uh, when I'm sure he was snap-called, he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. But this is a tremendous tournament. If you enjoy it, uh, pick it up on uh, Poker Go. But uh, over the first six events, uh, Ali Imsarovic, as I mentioned, won two of them. Besides Jake Schindler, Dylan Lindy, and Alex Foxen have won events. Currently, they're in a $50,000 buy-in tournament. And uh, running down the stretch with that one, uh and Ali Imsarovic has the lead with final five players, including Negreanu and Foxen. So if you like these players, and I do, I like watching the name players that I know with the personalities, and and I enjoy watching a lot of that stuff. So I may check that out later on today. Uh, I think 3 p.m. Uh, uh, daylight time is going to be when that is on. So uh, that's going on now. Also, I wanted to get to the... Uh, World Series of Poker online event, which to me doesn't hold as much uh, excitement or interest because uh, there are players I never heard of. And, uh, not only that, but a lot of them are playing under their uh, screen names. It's really hard to uh, follow who's out there. Uh, there was one interesting one, the Crazy Eights event, which was uh, won by Carlos Welch. And, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because he has written several strategy articles that we've used on the show. And uh, Carlos won in one of those events, but they're about uh, 12 tournaments deep in out of 33. So uh, battling today, I guess they get underway with a with a small $1,000 freeze out event, and then the high roller freeze out is on Friday, so uh, or Thursday, I guess. So uh, we'll be following some of those tournaments as well. Uh, Joe, you don't uh, when the tournament's going on, even the World Series of Poker. I don't think you watch a ton of it while it's happening. Uh, but as far as the online events, I, it, for me, it's not spectator friendly. Well, again, you know, I believe it or not, <laughs> I've probably watched more online tournaments because I've had friends in it, uh-huh. uh, than I have, you know, on TV as far as just 
out of the blue. I used to enjoy watching uh, many years ago when ESPN would run, you know, not just the main event, but some of the other tournaments as poker was taking off back then, Dave. Mm-hmm. You know, got to know some of the people, and it was, you know, it was very interesting to me at that time. Um, as you, as anybody who listens to this show and you know real well, I'm not a big fan of watching uh, tournament poker, especially when it took place six months earlier. Right that, right. that has absolutely no appeal to me as a poker player at this stage of my life now. Um, I do enjoy watching uh, some of the, the tournaments that we've had over the last few years when they're on a, you know, whatever it is, 10-minute delay, 15-minute delay. You know, I've enjoyed the hell out of that. You're watching yeah. the cards, and you're seeing how some of the top poker players are, uh, you know, they're, they're thought process and how they're playing these games and that to me is entertaining outside of that you know no and um i actually watched a friend of mine get all the way down to third place in the and an online tournament and uh, i wasn't even you know i was never called him because i didn't want him to be distracted while talking to me but um it, that that that's the extent of me watching tournaments dave right Right, I hear you. Uh, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, Vegas, what's happening out there with the poker rooms. Uh, really, some interesting stuff. There's good things going on. Uh, MGM has uh, kind of gotten out of the business partially, not completely, obviously, but they are selling the Aria and the Vidara, which I'm not familiar with, familiar with that hotel. But uh, the Aria, one of the major... Uh, jewels of the uh, Las Vegas Strip, uh, MGM kind of spending their money buying uh, City Center. So they're trying to get a hold of that. And they are selling a couple of these places to Blackstone, which is uh, as a South Florida angle. Blackstone owns the uh, Boca Raton Resort. So uh, they are making the sale there. And it's it's apparent that, uh, you know, some people see a future for poker. Uh, others do not. Uh, Planet Hollywood closing their room now. That's kind of a shock on the strip. Really? Uh, yeah, in the last over the weekend, supposedly they were set to close on the 11th of July. Uh, and uh, you know, it's hard to say what the future holds. You'd see some people, um, you know, really feeling that it has a great future. Uh, huge numbers out in the casinos in Vegas recently, including uh, a major renovation coming for. Uh, uh, MGM, they uh, spent, got rid of some of these properties, and they're putting some money into their current ones. It didn't say anything about the, or actually Caesar's Palace. I shouldn't say, shouldn't say MGM. The Caesar's Palace room is uh, undergoing a major renovation. I believe just got underway this week as well. So, what's the future? Uh, do you gamble? I mean, not to not to put out a pun, but do you gamble on the short term future, or just? Stick with your long-term view and think that everything will be okay in the next couple of years. Well, Dave, the big problem here is, as you mentioned, casino numbers are through the roof as far as, you know, machines. Uh, I would imagine table games, you know, the, the those, are, those are just phenomenal. Um, as I've said many times before, you know, poker is a nice little thing to have in the room. It's costly. 
takes a lot of man hours to run a room properly. Um, and right now, my only thinking besides this is, you know, being that it's not a huge money maker unto itself. You know, you hope that it brings people that, you know, stay in your hotel because, you know, the wives will be playing or the whoever is playing the machines, the table games, visiting your restaurants, uh, your shops and your hotel and spending money there. Here's the problem, Dave. We've been talking for the last few months. There's no there's no dealers out there. Yeah, yeah, People that's a major problem. So guess what? You know, why am I why am I as much as I love poker, it's been very frustrating for me to run a room properly because of the shortage of dealers. I would imagine it's the same thing for a lot of other places. Um I don't want to get into what some of those frustration levels are, but anybody who's out there who's run a room will know what I'm talking about. Right. And, um, you know, and it doesn't just center on the quality of, of, of the dealer. Um, so you have them like, you know, you, you, you don't have, so you're either going to overwork them, have to put up with a lot from them. And um, in the long run, Poker doesn't generate the revenue. Exactly. That's that, the, that that's the, the main point. Do. Yeah, that's so, the main point. So, you know, you're going to see rooms like up in Jacksonville who are thriving, looking mm-hmm. looking to train dealers because poker is their main uh, source of revenue. Um, but in other places where, you know, you've got slot machines and, a, and a, you know, and, and a full-blown casino, you know, it, it comes to a point of, do we have to put up with this, you know? And uh, from what you're telling me, it seems like a few places are saying no. Planet Hollywood, you know, had a nice room. I played there the, the last time I was in Vegas. Okay. You know, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. But once again, if dealers, if it's becoming an issue with dealers, uh, listen, we can put machines in that space. <laughs> Where we have the poker room, you know, right, we right. could do we could do something else there that's going to generate revenue for us, uh, you know, instead of. And again, I don't want maybe using too strong a word of saying, you know, the headache that comes with running a poker room, when 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 you don't have it properly staffed and with right, good people, right. you know. So, I'm praying that's not the case. Uh, I really don't want it to be, but uh, you know. Coming out of this pandemic, nothing had much has changed. I mean, just you, you're on that Facebook page. They're constantly asking for dealers. Uh, you go into any of these places, and uh, everybody's going, dealers want it, dealers want it. Uh, nothing has changed down here. So I would imagine that's the case everywhere else, and um, that's a great question, Dave. I, I hope to God it doesn't. Um, you know, as we see more states get on, you know, get online poker, um, that may be the bigger future of poker in this country than the brick and mortars outside of the big uh, tournaments. Yeah, well, the bottom line is the bean counters are going to win out because uh, poker does not produce that sort of revenue. But they were, Planet Hollywood was really destroyed by the by the pandemic, um, you know, over the last 18 months, uh, you know, they have not played that much there. They really haven't promoted themselves online on their uh, on their social media accounts. 
So, you know, it's not a huge surprise that they would close, but that was one of the major rooms on the strip. And, uh, you know, when you it couple that. It was a that, nice local, it was a nice local right. type of room, right? In my opinion, you know, because you've got, uh, you know, you've got all these other rooms that kind of bring in the big names. And Planet Hollywood had more of a uh, homey feel when I yeah. played there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Well, when you couple that with the closing last year of Excalibur, Mandalay Bay, Mirage, and you only have to look no farther than, than Binion's, which although its time came and went long ago, uh, they had a few of the poker tables uh, in that area where Chris Moneymaker won his World Series of Poker main event in 2003 and really sparked the online boom. Um, but, you know, and I actually had a chance to play there once, but, uh, you know, that was at one time the heart of poker in Vegas and now it's long gone. Uh, 38 poker rooms in Vegas have closed since 2012. And uh, there's a few rooms in in, that, in uh, that group that may reopen, may not, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and a lot of them have just closed down for good. You know, you think of old time names like uh, Fitzgerald's and Bill's Gambling Hall and, uh, you know, even the Palms and Hooters and places like that that, that had little small rooms uh, have shut them down over the last uh, five years or five or six years. And you just wonder where this is headed. Dave, this <laughs> this is it's it's again uh, the small ones can't compete with the big ones, right? You know, unless those places that you just mentioned, unless you get a uh, a strong you know local gathering like we have down here in South Florida, uh, we discussed this last week. You see the same faces. What you know, ninety five percent of the people that come into the room every time you're brushing over there, Dave. Isn't it the same people you saw the day before? Yeah, absolutely. There's no so doubt about that. Especially at 9 a.m. when there's a run up the uh, escalator steps. Exactly. <laughs> and guess what? It's the same in my in my room. It's the same in every single room in South Florida. Possibly in the whole state. Okay? Uh, you might see a few different people later on in the afternoon that come in for different shifts, depending on what type of room you have. But this was the same thing I had back in 2013 when my room was, you know, running 24, 24 hours on the weekend. You saw the same people outside of a huge promotion that you would see some different people, which will happen to be the case for me this past Saturday. Um, but that's what you have. In Vegas, good Lord, how many casinos are there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. And, and I remember I was in the stratosphere once with my brother, they had like a, a five or four table, six table room, and there was one game going. Yeah, you you know you can't you can't make, nobody could make money at that. And I'm I'm not talking just the casino. I'm talking about the people who run it. You can't make any money. You yeah. you can't. They're not going to be able to pay you a salary well good enough for you to be able to do that. And uh, I remember the first time I ever played poker in Vegas was the MGM because I was staying there. And I've told the story before, you know, it was a small room, nice, but they closed it the next time I was there the year the year after that. And they didn't reopen again until, you know, the Chris Moneymaker thing. Right. And um, that's all it is. You're just going to see the big rooms, and the real big rooms survive because, you know, tourists are constantly coming in. 
So you're getting a turnover of players consistently. Yeah, well, and, it's the uh, old it's the old uh, Darwin's theory, uh, survival of the fittest, and uh, it applies in just about everything in business. It does, but that's it's 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 really exclusive there to uh, you know to places like Vegas. Because think about it. Look at just go over next over to California, Dave. And you've got poker rooms there that have 180, 200 tables. And, you know, I don't want to say they're all thriving, but none of them, you're not hearing about any of them closing down. Yeah, true. You know, so, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a market for it. But if that's your, if that is your main moneymaker, you're going to do whatever you have to do to, to maintain it. But the other ones, you know, like in Vegas, it's going to go back to what it was before the explosion, you know, um, unless something changes in the next year or so. I, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I'm hoping that the World Series of Poker re-energizes that, you know, that town as far as, you know, full-blown tournament, right. you know, from, from all the things that, you know, all the great things that we talk about for the last 11 years every time there's been, uh, yeah. you know, the World Series of Poker. So Do you think it will? Let's see. Huh? Do you think it will re-energize the game? I I I believe it will re re-energize it, uh, but it'll probably take. My guess it'll take two to three years of God willing, no more stoppage like this with the pandemic for the, for this country and for Vegas for for us to start talking about. Hey, they're opening up a poker room, a smaller poker room in this hotel that that we're mentioning today that's closing. You know. Yeah. Um, they they need to see something along those lines, and if the crowds come back as big or even bigger than they were before, you know somebody somebody uh, with a lot more brains than I have uh, is going to say, hey, listen, we got to figure a way to market this the right way to turn this in, turn this into a good money maker for us. So. Yeah, one of the things uh, that just popped into my head. We're headed for a break, by the way, but uh, uh, as we head that way, I just a thought popped into my head. You really don't see successful poker players that have made millions of dollars. I mean, a guy like uh, Jake Schindler is $27 million in career earnings. Uh, you know, those uh, Negranu, Helmuth, and big names like that, they could buy a poker room. They could run a poker room, but they're there playing all the time, and they probably realize that uh, that's just not the place to be. Uh, in, in business, wait, wait, run, running. Me there a second, big Dave. What do you mean that they could be buying a poker well, room? Yeah, they the, don't... The, you, you just don't see it. You wonder they have the they have the the revenue and the financial uh, ability to run their own room exactly the way they want it, but none of them seem to want to get involved really in the ownership uh, business side of the game, and I, that, that says no, a lot. Well, it doesn't say a lot, Dave. You know what it is? It's uh, People who run poker rooms, you know, successfully uh, are not poker players. You know, a poker player, uh, an experienced poker player, realizes the work that goes behind. You know, whether they realize it right away or it takes a little bit of time, you know, they if you're spending hours and hours in a poker room and you're going to be doing that now, Dave, okay, you're going to see the frustration level the hard work that has to be take place to just run your room regularly. Forget about trying to put together a huge tournament. 
Uh, I know what I got to go through to put one little tournament together. You understand? Yeah, right. Uh, when you're a small room like like my room is, okay, and put up a small guarantee that still you want to make that guarantee, you know. Um, the longer you're there doing your stuff over there at Dania, you know, poker room, you you will appreciate going, oh, my God, you know, look how much how much work this is in a small room like this. I can't imagine putting something together where there are thousands and thousands of players looking to play, and you have to staff it properly. It's uh, poker players aren't these guys are smart smart people, Dave. They're not idiots. They realize the easy the easy part is to sit down and just play, and then when you're tired, you've won or you've lost, you go home. Right. You know, the rest of us have to stay there and continue to run the room. And uh, and live with and live with the worries about it 24 hours a day. Exactly, you know. And to make a room successful, as you're going to find out, especially when you do have a special event, is um, sometimes you depend on other parts of the, uh, you know, other, other departments. You know, you need F and B to be a good partner with you because, as I'm sure you're finding out, poker players eat that like crazy. Right, right. You know. Uh, you need the uh, janitorial staff to make sure the room stays clean. Um, you know, maintenance to make sure machines and other things that, you know, occasionally go wrong are fixed and repaired. Because right. in right. my place, you know, it's either too hot, too cold. <laughs> you, know? and you never get these people completely happy. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, that's what's happening. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's head to a break then. Uh, watching the tennis over the weekend uh, made me think of uh, this uh, as uh, Djokovic, uh, kind of the, currently the number one right now, you know, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, those three kind of uh, winning the most major tournaments over the last decade. Uh, you even go back to Pete Sampras, who was number one for quite a while. And... Uh, it made me think about poker's number ones, and uh, there's different uh, rating systems. Global Poker Index has kind of been the leader, and I went back and uh, did a little research to look at who have been the number ones, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, but I want to go and expand on that a little bit when we come back. Also, very interesting article by Alec Torelli I'd like to get to on three major ways that you can you know, prepare yourself for a career in poker and get better. Because so many people are out there just floundering around. Some people want to play. Some people just do it for the fun. Some people want to make a career out of it. But if you do want to make a career out of it, you know, there are a few things that you have to look at. And I'd like to get to that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Uh, hope you'll stick around for the entire thing. Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, bringing you the show. And we'll be right back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. 
The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their oiled bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. upcoming, what's been happening, what's currently happening now. And one of the things currently happening now is the rating system. Uh, maybe I'm a little more interested in that than a lot of people. But uh, currently, the number one player in the world ranked on the GPI rankings is Joe McKeon. Uh, has had some good recent success. He, of course, won the World Series of Poker a few years ago. Uh, Nick Pupillo is second. Brian Altman, who's been red hot lately down here in South Florida, is uh, currently third. If you're looking at some of the other areas of the world, uh, the top European player is uh, Mattis Symbolis, uh, just one step ahead of uh, Ali Msirovich. Uh The top player in Asia, Sean Yu, followed by Nan Hong. Uh, the Latin, Latin American uh, top player on the list is Fareed Jatton, who lives in Miami. And uh, you can follow down the list uh, Jack Hardcastle, the top UK player right now, a little bit ahead of Stephen Chidwick. And these things, of course, change from month to month. The top Canadian players, Eric Kajale, Kristen Bicknell, second, Ari, Ari Engel, third, Eric Afriot, fourth, uh, all familiar with uh, South Florida poker fans. Uh, but I looked at this other uh, situation of who's been number one. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there's been back and forth with a couple of players over the years. Uh, this list runs all the way back to 2011, which was uh, actually the second year we started doing our show, uh, when Jason Mercier was the top. He would have it for a few weeks. Uh, then Jason... Or, More than a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, three weeks here, four weeks there. 
at one time, he 17 weeks uh, was his longest run back in 2013. Uh, but over the years, uh, Elkie Grospellier has been number one, Dan Smith, Marvin Rettenmeyer, Ola Shemian, uh, and Dan, I mentioned Dan Smith, uh, Anthony Zeno, a uh, very short period of time, uh, had the number one spot. Lately, it's been guys like David Peters, Stephen Chidwick, and Alex Foxen uh, in control. Foxen, uh, right now, uh, before uh, relinquishing it to uh, Joe McKeon for five weeks, and Stephen Chidwick for 19 weeks before that. So they've been the latest two top players in the world. Um Fair to uh, rank players or not fair, Joe? You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't all come it's down nice, to music. It's nice for people like us to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and for themselves to have it. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I used to enjoy watching the card player. You know, remember when that was the big thing card player, player of the year? Right, and right. Um, it was exciting in the sense that, you know, it was based on tournament play, you know? That, that's what it was based on, you know, the tournaments that you entered, you know, the buy-ins, they started doing it with the buy-ins and all of this, and, um, you know, it was nice. I enjoyed it for a while, then I realized that has nothing to really do with who the best player in the world is, right. uh, because as we both know, there's a lot of great players out there that don't want the publicity, exactly. you know, don't play tournaments, play nothing but cash games. And, uh, you know, they, they want to stay under the radar. The other great players know who they are, but, you know, I'm sure they're casting nets out there to try to get some of the poker fishes out there that they can. And, um, you know, this is all subjective to whatever whatever criteria you want to set to this. Yeah, you, so can't, you can't measure it, just by money anymore because of the high roller tournaments. Exactly, you know. So that, that kind of started skewering that thing one way um it's nice you know um you know one of the one of the joys that i used to love reading all the card players even even subscribing to card player when i wasn't working in the casino business and it wasn't coming in i subscribed for like four or five years was i loved reading those articles reading the stories about the you know the the unknown player at that time that wanted some sort yeah, of Isol tournament isildur yeah, you know, the stuff like that. Well, that was way before him, way even way before yeah, him. Yeah, I'm sure. Before the explosion started, to be honest with you. Um, and as you know, you, you used to collect them too. Remember how thick they were back then, the card yeah, player magazine? Abs yeah, absolutely. As, as they are to now. And I used to love reading those. I, I loved a lot of the people who wrote articles in there. Um, like I told you, I, I, I really look forward to reading that. Uh, every two weeks and uh, you know unfortunately that hasn't been the case for quite a few years now um, and I don't know whether it's just me getting older and, and not having the excitement that I used to have for it or that you know they're concentrating on a lot of the, the bigger tournament things that you know I can't dream of ever playing in you know I'd right. have to hit a lottery to be able to afford to just put up that kind of money or, you know, spend hours and hours that I don't have now to, you know, make my game at that point where I could maybe get backers to do that. You know, it, it, it definitely has become more of a younger man's game, as we've mentioned, um, for the most part. And um, now it's I'd like to do it just for it. 
strictly for entertainment. I used to play poker to, to earn money at it, you know, in the local games. Uh, I, I knew what games I could do really well at, Dave, and, uh, and for the most part I did. And, and not only did I earn money at it, but I had a hell of a time, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of myself doing that, enjoyed being with those people, uh, all the stuff that goes with that, busting people's chops, having your butt chops busted, uh, enjoying the great food in the private games. Um, and I don't know if it's maybe I've been skewered because as a manager, I'm, I see way too many nasty people in the game. And, um, you know, maybe I'm too old for that shit. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with those people when I'm as a player. And I've tried to stop that in my room. I've uh, thrown out so many a-holes in my room uh, that I'm now getting a hell of a lot more women in there to enjoy, you know, to enjoy it. But um, I don't know. I, you know, I still love seeing some of the young players make a name for themselves. Uh, I've enjoyed the tournaments. And as as we speak, I have one coming up this this Sunday. Um, But for myself, you know, it's it. I've moved on to a different, a different stage of my poker life, you might say. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and of course, women in poker are always a favorite topic of ours on this show. Uh, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised at the number of women that play in our Dania room. Uh, of the regulars that are in there, probably a good twenty-five uh, percent, maybe twenty, are women, and uh, they're there on a regular basis. And uh, you get all the different personalities of that as well. So, pretty cool. But uh, the one thing uh, that was very interesting on the World Poker Tour was a recent tournament uh, that was won by Chad Evislage, who is from South, who lives in South Florida, originally an Indiana native, but he won a big tournament on the WPT at the Venetian, a five thousand dollar. Uh, buy-in main event. He won nine hundred ten thousand. But the interesting thing about that tournament was they got to the final TV TV table. Six players, three men and three women, which was pretty incredible for the for the game. Yeah, that's, you don't see that very often. No, uh, Keena England uh, finished third in the event. She uh, she is British, I believe, and uh, then. Uh, uh, a Latin player, uh, Daniela Rodriguez, finished fifth, and Kitty Kuo from uh, Taiwan finished in sixth. Uh, all had very high hopes heading into the final table, as you would expect, but uh, uh, Kitty got knocked out, with a ran into a big cooler, and uh, went out early, and then uh, you know the other players uh, kind of hung in there for a while, but uh, Keen England was the, was the last woman standing, but Eva Slage won that event for 910,000, beating Michael Liang, and uh, Timothy McDermott was the other final tabler in that one, but uh, I was very pleased to see that, and I think that was kind of a landmark for women in poker. I'll tell you what's going to explode for poker, Dave, and we were very close a few years ago, and you'll forgive me that I can't remember the ladies' names, and uh, I apologize for that. But when we had the two ladies that just bubbled out of the main event table, right? Um, yeah, you know, I can't uh, good, remember their names Ga- right Gabrielle now. Gabrielle Bauman, I think, was Bowman was one of them. Bowman, and, right? Uh, and, the other one, um, I think, was named Moss. Uh, I forget her first well, name. Well, and again, ladies, I apologize <laughs> that I don't remember that. But you, you want to have an explosion with women? You want to see the uptick in women? Have have a couple of a couple of these wonderful women poker players, uh, you know, make a final table, make a deep run in the main event, and 
am, I, I truly believe that you will see a lot of younger women now all of a sudden say, hey, I can do this too. And uh, as we've always said, I believe that's the last frontier <laughs> that, that we've got to cross. Absolutely. Uh, is to get more I, women into, into poker. And, I think it very, very much can happen this year. Well, I certainly hope so. You know, um, you know, I, I, I remember we've had so many women come close, so many great women players that you know um, have been on the doorstep practically. You know, and uh, just just can't kick in that door uh, far enough. Uh, you know, so that it so that it impacts the rest of the the rest of the female poker world. And yeah. I can't wait for that to happen. To yeah. be honest with you, I think it very well could happen. Manager, I would love. I would love nothing better than yeah, that, that to would, see that happen. That, that would that would that would be the moneymaker of our current era. But uh, Kristen Bicknell certainly belongs in that conversation. One of the very best players in the world, uh, just happens to be a woman. Uh, Vanessa Cade is uh, a player who has burst on the scene with a couple of big scores lately and uh, has some high hopes. I follow a lot of these women on uh, Twitter and get get a kick out of some of the things they they talk about and uh, their point of view, which is which is great. But uh, maybe this is the year. We'll see. Uh, I want to switch. So. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little uh, strategy. Or and this is not really game strategy in particular, but. Uh, an article by Alec Torelli on Poker News. You can check it out. Very interesting. Uh, talks about three concepts that he's picked up from coaching hundreds of players over the years. And I want to talk a little bit about that and Joe, get your thoughts on it. Uh, his first concept is the importance of having a serious poker business plan. Not how to play, but how to put your whole game together, uh, starting with your approach to poker and what your goals are. Uh, great advice, huh? I believe so. <laughs> Knowing now, when he mentions that, what is he what is he talking about? The educational process, the running your business, you know, your your poker career as a business, not not dipping into you know your uh, your funds to party to pay bills with. Um, you know, we, we've had over the course of the years a lot of people attack. You know tried to approach this and um you know i like what you just said there you know you gotta have the right approach to this thing so right. what does he say well he says uh he, he calls it reverse engineering the practical side of the game the business part of the game and he said he points out six things one which games and stakes are are right for you uh whether it's you should go the route of cash games or tournaments whether you should play online or live what your strengths are what your bankroll needs to be and how to uh, expect and handle and deal with the variance of that comes with poker, uh, how to set, uh, you know, stop losses and build a system to get behind your goals. So, uh, you know, you don't get out of play. And he does it by uh, taking the amount of money you want to make each month, figure out how many hours you can do. If you want to do it on the side and maybe you only play uh, 15, 20 hours a week, you could do it. Or if you want to play full time, uh, you know, you can figure it out, but you take your number of hours and uh, you divide it by, say, 2,000. Say you want to make 2,000 a month. Uh, you divide it by the number of hours of play and figure out that comes out to $25 an hour. So that's your goals. That's your benchmark. So you try to decide if you want to do it by playing, you know, 1, 2 or 2, 5 or 5, 10, however you want to do it. Then you go ahead and uh, 
and practice online first uh, as kind of a batting practice, he calls it. And then when you go to the casino, uh, you know, you take it seriously. You're not there to have a good time. You are you do want to, you know, be social and and, uh, enjoy yourself. But there's a goal to be achieved and, and you need to follow that. And it's not all based on money either. Oh, no, no, no. It's not based on money because the money at the end will, you know, you'll, you will have to make those decisions regardless of how that works out um, because, you know, you can't afford to play in bigger games than, than you know, than, than your bankroll will allow. Right. But you've got to be able to figure out what is the best game for you, where well, you your take, skill you, level yeah, is, you got, where you your gotta, skill level is. You got to take extensive notes, and then you got to find the right place because these are not all the games that you want to play may be available, and the quality of the opponents is also a big part of it. Well, listen, like I said, uh, I've seen a lot of people in, in my many years here in, in South Florida uh, make this decision, and not one of them is still being playing professional poker. Okay, they, as, as the saying has always said. Uh, you know, poker's a, a hard way to make an easy living. These people found that out really quickly. You might dominate your local, you know, private game, your local poker room, and these people are thinking, hey, you know, I'm ready to take on the world. And uh, that's what they've done. And very few people take the time to assess themselves like this gentleman is telling you to do, you know, find the right game maybe educate yourself more on, on how to play and, um, you know, and then bankroll management is always a big one too. That kills a lot of these players. Right. His uh, second concept is working on the mental game. And there's a lot of stuff involved with that, uh, including uh, engineering a, a power routine for yourself where you're, you're in complete focus and concentration. He said, like, you know, sometimes you do something and four hours goes by and all of a sudden you realize, well, I didn't even eat anything today. And, uh, you know, you should do this with poker and uh, get yourself focused so that you can make the best decisions at the table. And uh, this is probably the most important part of the poker game that people don't realize. They just sit there and they uh, look at the hands. I mean, a lot of people play poker to try to just win one of your high hand promotions. And they're just basically the game plays itself in those conditions. <laughs> That's tremendous advice, but you know how hard it is. Yeah. It's very hard. That. You know, cause I'm going to ask you a question now, Dave, when you first played poker, did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Did you go there most? Maybe it might have been more of a social thing than an actual, hey, let's make some money. Oh, yeah. Well, I've and, never been in that mode where I wanted to make it a career or make a living on it. Right, but not even a career. But you weren't there to say, hey, it wouldn't be bad if I won two, $300. You were there to say, hey, I'm here to have fun, have a couple of drinks, have something to eat, bullshit with my friends or, you know, joke around and and go from there. And, you know... Yes, the game has changed a little bit now, but that's the toughest part. Where you, what he just mentioned there, where you just talked about, uh, is having that discipline because the game usually starts off as being fun for people. And you're thinking, hey, if I could make a living at this and have a good time, <laughs> yeah, I'm set for the rest of my life. And as as we both know, and you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
having the discipline. To me, to become a, a professional poker player, everything starts with discipline. Yes. And if you don't have any discipline, then you're not going to be able to do any of these things that, that this gentleman is mentioning. Is uh, uh... Yeah, his third concept is talking about your habits and what are you doing to try to get better? Uh, he said, you know, some people just sit there and they'll watch YouTube videos all day long and try to figure out how to play that way. Some people read magazines or books. Uh, you know, there's all different ways to try to get better in poker, but just some people just want to play and that's it. So there's different things you can do. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, the head game is so important. Uh, you need to prepare physically, mentally, all the different things that athletes do in every sport. Uh, besides just practicing, you need to, uh, you need to work on the, uh, the focus of the game. Because um, decisions, obviously, are what's, what's, what it's all about. Exactly, Dave. And it you know, just makes common sense. The better shape, the better shape you are physically and mentally, the better prepared you are to make, you know, decisions, you know, and your head is clear cut. Um, you know, I remember Bernard Lee, you know, talking about how to prepare yourself for the main of, you know, to, to go right. those long weeks and those sessions, you know, for the WSOP and the stuff that you have to do. Well, you know, that, that trans transforms easily into, into the career, you know, you got to keep yourself in, in, in good physical shape. Got to get, you know, the right amount of sleep, uh, nourishment. Uh, all of those things, you know, blend together along with the continual education. You know, picking the right game, proper bankroll management. You know, and then all of a sudden, people start realizing, "Holy cow, this is like a real job." <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and, and it's maybe like even anything. Hard, and maybe even harder because. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so all of a sudden, the fun cut leaves the air out of the blue goes out real quick. He said uh, that a lot of amateurs just play; they don't study, and that's why you make a lot of these mistakes. He said. He said if you're going to play eight hours, you know, at the at, at the poker room, make it seven and a half, and go home and do a half hour of studying on what you did right and what you did wrong, and getting better. Uh, by concentrating on learning things, you need a well-rounded approach, and and uh, you certainly he, he recommends. Obviously, he's a he's an instructor, so he and he says you know maybe that's the way to to sign up with a with a class, or uh, you know whether it's online or or, or with a one-on-one -on -one with a coach, and uh, let them guide you because they've been there before, they made the mistakes, and these are where you can make yourself so much better. Yeah, well, you know, David, and it's wonderful advice even if you went home and studied more or even if you let's say you got up on the treadmill and got some exercise you know just to clear your mind uh, but that is you know my experience has been that's so much easier to said you know if you're in a game and all of a sudden you know you're in a game for eight hours you haven't been doing well and you're figuring hey i'm gonna get out of here you know today i gotta just chalk it up as a loss and you know come back tomorrow and all of a sudden two or three players that you know that are fishes come into the game, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> you get that second win going, oh, wow, I may be able to recover what I've lost today and come out, you know, a winner. So now you stay to play these people. And uh, once again, that's where I say discipline comes in. Is it going to take a few hours to get maybe some money from these people? Are you just making bad decisions because, you know, you're not mentally prepared for it? 
so much goes into it, and and it's so difficult for these poker players. I've told people to go home, Dave. Yeah. I've told people. I've told good people, and that I know are great players, that they were just consistently making bad mistakes. They were frustrated. They were not in a, in a very good mental state of mind, and I've tried to tell them, hey, go home. Tomorrow you're going to come back and kick some ass. And yeah. You, they just – I don't remember anyone listening. Yep, for sure. Well, check it out. It's on Poker News. Very interesting article by Alec Torelli called Three Things I Learned from Coaching Hundreds of Clients. Uh, if that's the goal, uh, you know, mama said it wouldn't be easy and it's not, you know, <laughs> she was right. <laughs> if you want to be successful, you really have to work at it. It just doesn't come to you. And it's not just, uh, you know, getting pocket aces against uh, two other players that you're very close with. Uh, let's, uh, finish things up simply by mentioning the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which is coming up, uh, beginning on July the 22nd and last uh, through the uh, the 10th of August, uh, they will again have the Big Four with the four major tournaments, including a high roller, 1100, 2650, and the main event. Uh, and they will uh, be uh, bringing that to you on a uh, live stream and and look forward to, to covering that. And up. before and before their tournament, uh, I have a nice little small one, $7,500 guarantee, 4,000 for first place. With a $75 buy-in this coming Sunday at Casino Miami, 1 o'clock. Uh, come in early. We have some nice high-hand promotions for a couple hours before the start of the tournament. So, uh, Casino uh, Miami located. And I, planned it, and I planned it to start it before the big <laughs> seminal uh, tournament there, you know, just, just so people could have some fun at a smaller tournament. Very good. Casino Miami located uh, on 36th Street and 37th Avenue, right around the corner from the Miami International Airport. So check that out this Sunday, 1 o'clock. And uh, say hi to Joe and maybe uh, give him some advice about uh, the things we could do to make the show better. Uh, and also, we would like to have you follow us on any of the places where you get your podcasts. But that's going to do it for today's show. We look forward to uh, talking about the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open over the next couple of weeks. When that gets underway, I'll give you a little preview next week and then uh, talk about the tournament that's going on over the next couple of shows. Uh, really a premier event for us here in South Florida. But, uh, you know, all these players that play uh, it in uh, Las Vegas at the Aria and the Poker Go Cup, a lot of them will be traveling down here to play in those things. So if you're a poker fan and you want to see some of these players uh, up close and personal uh, you can head on out to the Hard Rock uh, over the period for the tournament July 22nd through August 10th. That's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Joe, thank you as usual. Good luck with your tournament this weekend. Good luck if you uh, ever have a chance to play poker again the rest of your life. But uh, I know how things go. Yep. I will catch everybody next week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be with you next week for another edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.